1: zone
2: listening to CITR, FM 101.9, or on your computer, CITR.ca. Stay tuned now for The Jazz Show with Gavin Walker, coming right up. We would like to welcome you to another edition on this uh, dreary, soggy, rainy night Um, and hope that the uh, music that we're about to play this evening on the jazz show can uh, uplift your spirits and uh, give you, uh, well, something to think about as well. Music is always uh, a great stimulus for the mind and... um, for the heart as well, and uh, for both, actually. That's, that's the real balance. And my name's Gavin Walker. I'm your host here, as I am, as usual, every Monday night. And we, of course, begin our show, as we have done, uh, since the beginning of August of this year, with our jazz feature. And the jazz feature is none other... Then Charles Mingus. Charles Mingus, born in Nogales, Arizona, raised in Los Angeles, and passed away in Colonel Vaca, Mexico. Died of ALS at age 58. January 5th, 1979. He was 58 years old. Mingus was one of the most influential and one of the most controversial musicians in, in jazz music. And, of course, his music reflects all of these kind of changes that he went through. He was a volatile person. He was known to be violent at times. Uh, he was also known uh, to have a great sense of humor and um, also known to be very, very, very perceptive of uh, of people and uh his reaction uh to them he he understood uh, he could feel vibrations from people he 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 knew um he could uh feel whether a person was uh was a phony or or real or whatever he seemed to have a, an intuitive sixth sense about all of this and uh, mingus was uh i met mingus here in vancouver in 19 19- 61 when he came to Vancouver, and played at the original cellar, and uh, we we uh, maintained um, a very good acquaintance over the years, and uh, I, I I liked Charles Mingus, and of course I admired him, uh, especially when I was younger. I, I just looked up. I thought I thought he could. He was just. Uh, uh, me being a much younger person, you would look up to an older person and say, Hey, <laughs> I, want, I want to be like that. And uh, there were many things that he did that I, I felt that's where I'd like to go, too, you know, that sort of thing. Anyway, Mingus was. Uh, at various periods of his life um, there were there were times when things were uh, very unnerved, everything seemed to be at loose ends, and so on and so forth. The music that we're going to listen to tonight is from a particularly um, stable period in Mingus's life. Uh, not only did he have a steady working band, something that he wasn't able to maintain throughout his career, unlike Duke Ellington, who was his idol. Mingus um, Mingus's bands changed all the time. Personnel changes, there would be arguments or whatever, uh, or changes in his uh, outlook, and so he would need musicians to fulfill that. And the musicians maybe that he had didn't, so he would he would fire them. He would he would um, or or just give them leave, say go. uh, I'm going to make some changes. This kind of thing. But this particular band. Reflected Mingus's uh, rather stable period, and that, that goes from about 1956 to 1958. And he had basically the same people in his uh, band, which he called the Jazz Workshop. And um, his personal life was stable as well. He was married to Celia, who was one of the most influential uh, people in his life. Uh, they later divorced, but they remained friends until Mingus' death. And um, uh, Celia was very, very close and helped out Mingus a lot, uh, even after their, uh, after their divorce and, and, and breakup, and, and Celia remarried. And um, yet uh, she was able to help out Charles Mingus financially and morally and spiritually as well. So she remained uh, a, a very positive influence in Mingus' life. Uh, even though Mingus moved on married um, susan his uh, his last wife, his widow, and uh, that sort of thing, but uh, that was a great uh, a great friendship and there is a piece of music that we 're going to listen to, which Mingus uh, wrote for his wife, and uh, it 's one of the compositions on this album so he was uh, he was in a as I said a relatively stable period um, he was being recognized uh, he was beginning to break out of the underground. Uh, his music was being listened to more, and he had this uh, um, relatively stable personnel. And it began in, uh, from the very first recording with, with this basic personnel was uh, an album on Atlantic called The Clown, and it featured Jimmy Nipper on trombone And uh, Curtis Porter on alto saxophone, who soon became Shafi Hadi, changed his name because he uh, uh, adopted the Muslim faith uh, on alto saxophone. And of course, his main man, his right-hand man, Danny Richmond on drums. So those three um, musicians uh, became a real integral part of of, um, Charles Mingus's jazz workshop he really depended on Jimmy Nepper as well because Mingus had all these brilliant ideas and he would, uh, sometimes even during a performance, he said, no, I want to change that, I want to change that. And, and Knepper, um was, was so devoted to Mingus, then he, he, would, uh, he knew that the other musicians couldn't remember what Mingus uh, said, sometimes even Mingus didn't remember. Uh, he just had so many brilliant ideas, so Nepper would write them down and so that they would be remembered next time they played this particular piece so mingus grew very dependent on jimmy nepper and their their friendship was was really was really great and uh, um Unfortunately, they had a big falling out in the, in the early '60s, and uh, so on and so forth, but they did reunite a couple of years before Mingus's death. And Mingus called Jimmy Nepper the greatest trombone player that ever lived. So that's how much he, he felt about Jimmy Nepper and more. So Jimmy Nepper is involved here. And so those three people, um, Shapi Hadi, the saxophonist, Uh, Jimmy Nepper, the trombonist, Danny Richmond, the drummer, of course. A new voice was added uh, in spring of 1957, a Mingus Discovery, a trumpet player by the name of Clarence Jean Shaw. Clarence Shaw was uh, from Detroit. He was... um, an intuitive musician, he didn't have a lot of uh, reading skills or, 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 or musical uh, technique, but he played the trumpet in such an original way that Mingus was very, very attracted to him, and um, Clarence, of course, had, had big ears and, and could really hear all the things that Mingus wanted. He had a, a great intuitive sense, as you will hear on, on this album, he was a wonderful trumpet player, and... Um, one of those unique musicians who seemed to have uh, kind of faded out after, after a few years. Um, he was uh, a little bit of an eccentric. Mingus treated him rather shabbily, unfortunately. Um, uh, Clarence was, uh, there was a record date uh, not long after this one that came up, and Clarence was at home uh, with the flu, and he didn't have a telephone, and there was no way of getting hold of him, and, uh, and Mingus figured he should have showed up anyway which, of course, he was bedridden with the flu, and uh, Mingus um, fired him for that. And, and um, later on, uh, a few years later, he, uh, Mingus tried to look for him and, 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 and find out where he was, and he wanted to rehire him, but uh, it never happened, unfortunately. However, all this was all happy uh, during this time. The only revolving door in this band was the piano player, Uh, pianists in 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 the mid-50s were very busy people they were accompanying accompanying singers they did solo gigs Um, they actually made more money than most other musicians if you played piano you were uh, employed um, because lots of restaurants like piano background music this sort of thing so pianists always had work and Mingus Uh, although he worked a lot, didn't have the consistent uh, ability to pay a big salary and keep uh, a pianist. And, of course, so different piano players came through the jazz workshop. That was the only revolving door in this band. Uh, The rest of the personnel were very stable. Which gets to this record date. 1957 was a pretty uh, productive year for Mingus, and this was recorded in New York in August of 1957. About a day before the recording session was to take place, Mingus's pianist phoned him and said he can't make the date, he can't make the recording date. Mingus, of course, was chagrined, and he called a young piano player who was getting a little bit of notice around New York City, Bill Evans. Bill Evans wasn't the big name that he was to become, but Mingus was aware of him and phoned him and asked him to do this record date. Now, Danny Richmond told me, when I asked him about this record, he said, Bill Evans, he said, is a genius, man. Bill Evans came into this. He'd never played this music before. He sight-read it cold and nailed the tunes right away and played beautifully. And Mingus, of course, was extremely impressed. And Bill Evans... Piano playing is one of the reasons for this particular recording session uh, to be the success that it is. Unfortunately, it's an underrated record. A lot of people, uh, there's all kinds of Mingus records out there that people know. They don't know, a lot of people don't know about this one. This one came out on Bethlehem Records, and it's called East Coasting. And the um, the people involved, Charles Mingus on bass, Jimmy Nepper on trombone, Shafi Hadi plays both alto and tenor saxophone on here, Clarence Shaw on trumpet, Bill Evans on piano, and Danny Richmond on drums. The tunes. The first tune that we're going to hear is the only non-Mingus composition on the album, and it's a very, very famous tune written by pianists U.B. Blake and Andy Razaf, and it's called Memories of You. And that opens the set in a ballad subdued manner then we move to a composition the title track of the album uh written by and the rest are all by mingus so composition number two is called is the title track east coasting and two number three is my favorite track of the whole album it's called west coast ghost and two number four is dedicated to mingus's wife and it's called celia Two number five is entitled Conversation. And two number six is dedicated to the street in New York that Mingus lived on. It's called 51st Street Blues. And that concludes the session. Six tracks and the album East Coasting. Our jazz feature tonight, Charles Mingus and the Jazz Workshop. Thank you. Our jazz feature this evening, the album East Coasting by Charles Mingus. It was originally issued on a small label called Bethlehem Records, which actually was a, a very well-run uh, and deluxe um, record label in its day. They always had nice covers and all that sort of stuff and uh, proper liner notes and uh, Nice pressings as well, Bethlehem Records. And uh, they did put out a lot of fine recordings. And Mingus recorded a couple of albums uh, for that label, and this was one of them. With his, um, a group that I mentioned before um, was a semi-permanent group, and one of the few that he was able to keep for over a couple of years. It So the genesis began in 1956, and then they... Um, added trumpet to the uh, front line which was originally trombone and saxophone and added a trumpet um, and then it became a sextet and of course uh, as I mentioned before the only revolving door in this uh, edition of the jazz workshop was the uh, many pianists that uh, Mingus used because uh, he couldn't afford to keep a regular uh, piano player in the band they were so busy and had so many other gigs And so he was able to uh, shuffle a lot of piano players uh, in and out of the band. And in this case, this gentleman who played piano on this date was a last-minute call. Um, Mingus had a semi-regular pianist. I'm not sure who it was. Um, I didn't ask. Uh, Danny Richmond told me all about this recording session and said that he liked it very much and What impressed him most was the pianist. And then the pianist on here is Bill Evans. And he was called a day before the recording session. And he came in, read all the charts cold, and and played so beautifully on this album. And of course, Mingus was uh, more than impressed with Bill Evans. And um, of course, Bill went on to play with Miles Davis and then formed his own band. And Bill became a legend. in his own uh, playing as well. But this was some uh, very, very fine early Bill Evans on this album. East Coasting, and of course a great cover. It shows Mingus on a a cloudy day with water in the background. I guess it was taken off Long Island or something with his bass and uh, standing there and looking very serious and somber. And uh, it's a nice photograph, actually. And uh, as I said, this the music on here reflects Mingus during a, a relatively uh, stable and happy period in his life as well, um, in his personal life and in his musical life as well. Uh, he was very busy in 1957, and uh, he was beginning to really be noticed as uh, such a formidable composer and a mover and shaker in jazz. And he was beginning to break through uh, the being... Uh, an underground musician. So the people involved in this band, of course, um, Charles Mingus on bass, his right-hand man, Danny Richmond, on drums, and on the front line, Clarence Shaw on trumpet. Uh, He was a Mingus discovery. And from Philadelphia, Philadelphia, Originally, Curtis Porter, he became Shopee Hadi, and he played the alto and tenor saxophone on here. And on trombone, another right-hand man of that time, uh, Charles Mingus, Jimmy Nepper. And of course, uh, Nepper was... uh, Mingus loved the trombone. He was very hard on trumpet players. He's very fussy about trumpet players and could be very, very critical of them. Trombone, uh, if it was played a certain way, Mingus loved that instrument because a lot of people... Um, don't forget, that was Charles Mingus's first instrument that he played, was the trombone. Before he even played the bass, he picked up the uh, the trombone uh, because he was influenced by a friend of his to take up the instrument. And, of course, then Mingus began playing the bass and, and the piano and never looked back. Mingus is a very good piano player, too. And, of course, the pianist on this date, as I mentioned before, Bill Evans. It was all recorded in August of 1957 in New York City and we heard six tracks beginning with uh, the only uh, non-Mingus composition in the album. It's a classic piece of music written by U.B. Blake and Andy Rosaf and it's called Memories of You. That opened the set in a very subdued reflective mode. Then we moved to uh, the rest of the tunes are all Mingus compositions. Uh, tune number two is called East Coasting. Tune number three is called West Coast Ghost. Tune number four was dedicated to Mingus's wife of the time, Celia, and that's what it was called, Celia. Tune number five is entitled Conversation, and the final tune was dedicated to the street that Mingus was living on at the time, Fifty First Street in New York. It's called Fifty First Street blues. That's it. Our jazz feature this evening. Hope you enjoyed it. The music of Charles Mingus and the album East Coasting. We are going to be back um, in a few moments with uh, some good stuff for you. And just to uh, bring you up to date, we have a a few things that we'd like to uh, tell you about. Beginning with This one. Oh, yes, we'd also like to tell you that you're listening to CITR, FM 101.9, or on your computer, www.citr.ca. This is The JS Show, and my name's Gavin Walker. <laughs> All right, here we go.
1: Discorder Magazine has been supporting local music for over 30 years. Thanks to the long-term support of the Rickshaw Theatre, Discorder lives. Your favorite bands are playing at the Rickshaw Theatre. Check out their calendar just behind the cover of Discorder Magazine or at RickshawTheater.com.
0: Ho 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 ho.
2: Whoa, ho ho. there! Hold your reindeer! It's not Christmas yet! It is time for the Mint Records ridiculously early
1: Xmas party, though. Drop by the Electric Owl on Saturday, November 29th for performances by Renny Wilson, Duo Duotang, Supermoon, Agface, J. Arner, Energy Slime featuring J. Arner. DJ Duncan McHugh spinning some Jay Arnor and a bunch of other bands that Jay Arner may or may not have anything to do with. Visit Mitrex.com for more details. Remember, it's this November 29th at the Electric Owl. Oh, oh,
0: what are you doing, you layabout? It's only November. Get back to making toys. Get back to work. <laughs>
2: hmm Well, we're going to get back to work. I'm going to change the pace a little bit. I'd like you uh, to introduce you to two musicians that I love very much, two great saxophone players, Gene Ammons and Sonny Stitt, this time with Brother Jack Macduff on the Hammond organ and Charlie Persip on drums. And, of course, with Ammons and Stitt, it's always Gene Ammons who takes the first solo. And this is a tremendously active and moving piece of music that Gene Ammons wrote, and it's called Tubby. Gene Ammons, Sonny Stitt, Brother Jack McDuff, and Charlie Persip. I think that's the way to play the blues. <laughs> I don't think you're going to argue with Milt Jackson or Cannonball Adderley. And that's who uh, the two people were on that tune that we just heard called Sounds for Sid from an album with, uh, by Cannonball and Milt Jackson. Of course, Cannonball on alto saxophone, Milt Jackson on vibes, Wynton Kelly on piano, Percy Heath on bass, and Art Blakey on drums. And that was called Sounds for Sid dedicated to uh, Sid Torrin, Symphony Sid, the great uh, jazz disc jockey. And before that, we heard Gene Ammons and Sonny Stitt together playing a thing written by Gene Ammons called Tubby, and that featured uh, Gene and Sonny along with Brother Jack Macduff on Hammond organ and Charlie Persip on drums. And that's from an album called Soul Summit. And we'll be right back after uh, a couple of messages. And we're going to pay a birthday tribute to one of the greatest and most influential. Well, not necessarily influential. There's a lot of people. His style didn't become influential. I would say one of the most individual baritone saxophonists, the late, great Serge Chaloff. He would have celebrated a birthday today, November 24th, and we're gonna hear some choice pieces by Serge Chaloff right after these uh, important messages.
1: Whoever said Money Can't Buy You Friends obviously wasn't a member at CITR. When you become a member, you get the Friends of CITR card with incredible discounts in the UBC and Kitsilano area at Australian Boot Company Banyan Books and Sound The Bike Kitchen The Cove Dantry's Pub Displace Hashery Limelight Video The Eatery Fresh's Best Salsa Gargoyle's Bar and Grill Lotus Land Tattoo Nuba Kitsilano Prussian Music Rufus's Guitar Shop and the UBC Bookstore. To find out more, visit us in room 233 of the sub on the UBC campus or go online to citr.ca. London-based artist Cold Specs is on tour in support of Neuroplasticity. Available on mute. With openers We Are the City, Cold Specs plays this Tuesday, November 25th at the Imperial. Tickets are $17.50. Available at Northern Tickets, Red Cat, and Zulu Records. Brought to you by the Georgia Strait, CITR, and MRG Concerts.
2: We have weather. <laughs> yes, we do have weather, and it's um, mostly the, the wet kind, warm and wet, soggy. So tonight, periods of rain, windy, lows around 9. Tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, all forecast for rain with temperatures between 9 and as a low, And 13 as a high. So not much variation in temperature. and just kind of hangs there. Friday is, um, well, rather than rain, Friday is showers. I don't think there's a hell of a lot of difference there. Um, Again, with with little variance in the temperature. Then on Saturday and Sunday, it's going to be cloudy with a 60% chance of a shower. uh, But a little cooler with lows between zero and highs up to 5. So maybe a little bit of uh, easing up from the uh, from the steady rain we're going to get all week. But, uh, well, yesterday was really, really nice, wasn't it? Sunday. And, of course, um, as predicted, uh, the curtain came down uh, today, big time, and it's going to stay down for a little while. All right. The great... Serge Chaloff was uh, a bit of a tragic figure in jazz, and some jazz musicians, of course, have uh, had that. Serge uh, came to fame uh, with the Woody Herman second herd. He was one of the bad boys in that band, and there was a lot of bad boys in that particular band, and Serge was uh, maybe the baddest boy of all. Anyway, um, he... Uh, stayed with Herman's Band and became famous and did a lot of independent recording as well. And um, um, he, his mother, as a matter of fact, was one of the great uh, classical piano teachers of all times, and that was Margaret Chaloff. So he came from a, a very, um, very straight kind of a family, and, of course, Serge was, uh, well, Serge was Serge. There's a lot of stories about him, Uh, Some of them are not very nice. Um, He was, of course, uh, involved with uh, heavy narcotics use for many years, about uh, 10 years. And he was notorious for his ability to con people and all this kind of stuff. But be that as it may, Serge Chaloff was a great musician. He returned home. Um, after his tenure with Woody Herman and and, um, and and being a freelance artist, returned home to Boston, and moved back in with his parents, and um, got himself off drugs. And that was tough, but he did it, and um, began to uh, resuscitate his career again uh, in his hometown in Boston. But it. Unfortunately it only last the success only lasted a few years because he was stricken with spinal cancer and uh he uh in 1956 he was confined to a wheelchair and he passed away July 16th 1957 um a, a very young man in his hometown but he made some beautiful records during this last period uh of his life after getting off drugs and um, we're going to play some music by that as a tribute to his birthday. He was born today, uh, November 24th. And uh, as I said, one of the most individual voices of the baritone saxophone, Serge Joloff, and an uh, incredible musician. We're going to hear two ballads that are almost, um, to start with, uh, that are almost biographical in their, in their expression Um, about his life and um, they're they're really very emotional and beautiful statements and uh, the two ballads are very well known. The first one is one of my favorites it's um, Bob Haggard's great tune What's New and the second tune is Serge's version of The Great Standard Body and Soul and both of these ballads somehow express uh, so much feeling um, that Serge is able to put into that big baritone saxophone. The other musicians on the date are all Boston-based musicians, uh, including Boots Masulli on alto saxophone, Herb Pomeroy on trumpet, who uh, wrote the little arrangements here, Ray Santisi on piano, Everett Evans on bass, and Jimmy Zitano on drums, and the great Serge Choloff on baritone saxophone. Two of these incredible ballads uh, from his uh, classic Capitol album called Boston Blow Up. Then we'll move to uh, a few more things by surge on a slightly later date, and uh, we'll tell you more about that. But here are the two ballots first.
0: Oh, oh,
2: paying tribute to Serge Chaloff, the baritone saxophonist you just heard. Two of his most expressive ballads from an album called Boston Blow Up, recorded with a group of uh, Boston-based musicians uh, that I all named. Um, Serge, of course, featured throughout on baritone saxophone. First tune, What's New, written by Bob Haggart and Johnny Burke, and then Johnny Green's classic, Body and Soul, both tunes really expressing the inner soul of Serge Choloff. We're going to continue from a recording session that was done uh, a couple of years after uh, the, the one we just heard in Los Angeles in March of 1956, and some great people on here, the legendary Sonny Clark on piano. Leroy Vinegar on bass, and the one and only Philly Joe Jones on drums. And Serge, of course, on baritone saxophone. This is, I imagine, this would be the album that everybody would want uh, if they needed and wanted an album by Serge Chiloff. This one is called Blue Surge, and it came out uh, once again on Capitol Records and was recorded just about a year before he succumbed to uh, spinal cancer. And he uh, his playing is b- absolutely gorgeous on this one. So we're going to hear three tunes. We're going to hear an Alcone composition called The Goof and I. Um, that's a tune that they uh, played in the Woody Herman, uh, the famous Woody Herman second herd that Serge was a big part of. And uh, that, of course, was uh, one of his features in that band. The Goof and I is the first tune and a great tune, is, which is Bob Hope's um, theme song. Anybody that heard Bob Hope, the comedian and so on, his theme song was always this tune. It's called Thanks for the Memory. And the final tune on the set is the ever eternal All of Things You Are. So here are then three tunes by Serge Chaloff, Sonny Clark, Leroy Vinegar, and Philly Joe Jones.
0: We'll <music>
2: Our small tribute to one of the great voices of the baritone saxophone. And he is acknowledged to be one of the first, if not the first, modern baritone saxophonist on the scene. And uh, he came on the scene, of course, in the uh, mid-40s and rose to fame in the Woody Herman second herd. And, of course, then went on to, uh, later on, went on to uh, a solo career after a few setbacks, and we heard um, some music from uh, his uh, his later period, before his untimely demise at a young age in 1957, died of uh, spinal cancer. And Serge was born on this day, November 24th, 1923, in Boston. So we heard uh, three selections from his uh, Capitol album done in 1956 called Blue Surge with uh, Sonny Clark on piano, one of my favorites, Leroy Vinegar on bass, and of course the magnificent Philly Joe Jones on drums, and of course Surge on baritone saxophone. We heard The Goof and I written by Al Cohn, who we'll be hearing from in a very few moments, and uh, the great tune... Bob Hope's theme song, Thanks for the Memory, as the ballad. And finally, the the great standard, All the Things You Are, written by Jerome Kern and Oscar Hammerstein. We're going to move now to another birthday, actually, same day, and another great uh, influential um, saxophonist, and I'm talking about New York-born Al Cohn. And Al Cohn, of course, uh, was an arranger, composer, Uh, Just a tremendous musician um, who did so much, um, so much stuff. It's really hard to go into all of his career, long, long career. He was a member of that uh, famous and infamous Woody Herman second herd as well, and did a lot of arrangements and and so on. And he was one of the bad boys at that time, too, along with Serge Chaloff, Stan Getz, and Zoot Sims, all bad boys in those days. And... uh, Al Cohn, of course, went on to a long career in music, and um, we're going to hear something from a a rather rare album that came out on Choral Records, and it's called the Al Cohn Quintet, and it was recorded um, once again in 1956 in New York in December, and it features Al Cohn on tenor saxophone with Bob Brookmeyer on valve trombone on piano not vocal, just piano. Mose Allison, yeah, Mose Allison on piano. Teddy Kotick on bass and Nick Stabulus on drums. Fabulous Stabulus. We're going to hear three Alcone compositions played by this uh, stellar band. And the first one is called Back to Back. The second one is called So Far, So Good. And the final tune is called Winter. Here then are the compositions and the tenor saxophone work. Of the one and only Al Cohn, who was born on this day in 1925 in Brooklyn and died in Stralsburg, Pennsylvania, February 15, 1988, died of cancer. Great Al Cohn. Three Tunes Compositions by Al Cohn from a fairly rare album called the Al Cohn Quintet. came out on Choral Records and featured Al Cohn, um, whose birthday it uh, would have been today, with Bob Brookmeyer on valve trombone, Al Cohn, of course, on tenor saxophone, Mose Allison just playing the piano, Teddy Kotick on bass, and Nick Stabulous on drums. Recorded in December of 1956 in New York City. Three Alcone compositions. The first one was called Back to Back. Second one was called So Far So Good. And the final uh, bluesy piece of music, ah, maybe I should dedicate that to my dentist. My dentist's name is uh, Sam Winter. And <laughs> this tune was called Winter. All right, Sam, if you're out there listening, that was dedicated to you. Named after you as well. Anyway, um, those three tunes, all written by the great, late Al Cohn. We haven't quite finished with Al Cohn yet. Um, this is very special to me. This is a uh, such a beautiful tune written by Irving Berlin. It's called How Deep is the Ocean? And Al Cohn takes the lead on this and takes the melodic lead on this uh, ballad. But to show, of course, um, demonstrating what a an incredible saxophone player uh, Al Cohn is. Here he is with his best buddy, Zoot Sims, on tenor saxophone, and two others, Hank Mobley, the great Hank Mobley, and one I think most of you have heard of, John Coltrane. Yes, it's from the famous Tenor Conclave album, Which was uh, done for Prestige Records. And this is the ballad feature, and it features Al Cohn uh, basically doing the the melody and, and playing so beautifully on here. So, Al Cohn, Zoot Sims, John Coltrane, and Hank Mobley on tenor saxophones, four of them, along with Red Garland at the piano, Paul Chambers on bass, and Arthur Taylor on drums. And, How Deep Is the Ocean? Thank you. that classic interpretation of uh, the ballad How Deep is the Ocean, played by the four great tenor saxophonists. And, uh, of course, we heard, uh, and I uh, played it as a tribute, of course, to Al Cohn, who um, opens this uh, piece of music with his uh, very soulful rendition of the melody and his solo. Al Cohn first on tenor saxophone, and then followed by uh, Red Garland's Piano, then followed by Zoot Sims on tenor saxophone, then John Coltrane took a turn at the tune, and it was all wrapped up by some incredible playing by Hank Mobley. And, of course, we heard Paul Chambers on bass and Arthur Taylor on drums, and it's from a uh, classic prestige album of the four great tenor saxophonists called Tenor Conclave, And that was the ballad feature, a nice long interpretation of uh, one of Irving Berlin's um, great tunes, How Deep is the Ocean, great love song. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9, or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker. And... uh, we just like to tell you of, of a couple of uh, great websites to get onto for uh, jazz information. One of them, of course, is the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society. That's coastaljazz.ca, a comprehensive website, and uh, it'll take you around all kinds of uh, links and so on. And another website to get onto, of course, I always mention Brian Nation's great website, VancouverJazz.com, and um, there's um, a gig calendar on there that uh, you can uh, check out. There's all kinds of gigs that are popping up here and there and everywhere in Vancouver, and uh, Brian keeps a very complete um, tally of all those gigs. So if you have a good mind to go out and hear some jazz on any night of the week, there are places where it is being played. And um, as I said, uh, we don't have the jazz cellar that Corey Weeds operated for 13 years anymore, that's a great loss, but uh, there are all kinds of other places that are presenting jazz music, and uh, it's, um, that's a good place to go to um, check everything out, and that's Brian Nation's website, VancouverJazz.com. And uh, I would like to mention my friend Ken Speller, who is a musical repairman. He's also a music teacher as well. If you need a good teacher, he, he's, uh, he's great. Uh, he plays the saxophone and the clarinet and the flute, and he's very, very knowledgeable about music, but he's also a wonderful repairman. And he does his own work at home. Uh, he has a complete shop uh, in his um, apartment, all set up with all the equipment necessary to overhaul saxophones, clarinets, flutes, all woodwinds, and um, or just tweak them, whatever you need uh, to make your instrument sound better and make you, the player, sound better. Ken Speller is a good man to know, and he keeps his prices very, very reasonable. So you can reach him. Um, he's in North Vancouver, 13th and Lonsdale area. And you can reach him at 778 800 1933, 1933, or K Speller, K S P E L L E R, underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. K Speller underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. He's a good man to know. A couple of other things to uh, I'd like to mention, of course, is this wonderful Joy of Jazz concerts that is coming up, produced by the wonderful singer Karen Plato. And uh, this is going to be at St. James Hall, which, of course, is at 3214 West 10th Avenue. very comfortable uh, venue. November 27th is the uh, date to keep in mind. And Karen Plato will be um, performing with Gillian Lebeck on piano and voice. Um, She's a wonderful composer and, and singer and a most creative artist and one of our finest bass players who also possesses a great singing voice. I'm talking about Adam Thomas. Plus, James Danderfer, one of the great virtuosos of the clarinet. He'll be joining that stellar group of musicians, and this is the first concert in this series of three. And uh, this concert is called Heart and Soul, and it starts at 7.30 p.m., November 27th, Um, at, as I said, St. James Hall, uh, 3214 West 10th Avenue. $25 in advance at the door, uh, or $25 in advance, and $30 if you want to pay right at the door. So there you go. And for more information, you can contact Karen Plato, that's K-A-R-I-N-P-L-A-T-O, all one word, at shaw.ca, Karen Plato, at shaw.ca, and uh, you have more information. This is a series of three concerts. The next one is going to be on Valentine's Day, and the final one will be on May 31st, but we're concerned with the one that's just around the corner, November 27th. All right, 7.30 p.m. Don't miss that one, Heart and Soul. One more thing, and I'm going to play you some music by this um, great trumpet player. His name is Joshua Bruno, and he'll be performing with one of the most incredible trombone players, the great Steve Davis, who was a graduate of uh, Jackie McLean's uh, school. Steve Davis, of course, has uh, performed with Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers and done so much, um, so many albums. He'll be performing with... uh, Joshua Bruno is one of the new voices of the trumpet, a great trumpet player. They'll be coming to the Pyatt Hall, which is uh, Corey Weed's uh, production, uh, December 5th and 6th. So that's a Friday and a Saturday. And they'll be performing, uh, Joshua Bruno and Steve Davis will be performing with Corey Weed's uh, on uh, saxophones, Tony Foster on piano, Adam Thomas on bass, and Julian McDonough on drums. They'll be there for two nights performing at the Pyatt Hall. And uh, that's um, a wonderful uh, production there. I'm going to play you some music by uh, Joshua Bruno with Steve Davis. Um, The rest of the band here is a New York band. But uh, this was recorded in uh, March of 2014. It'll give you an idea of how great Joshua Bruno is. So we hear Joshua on trumpet, Steve Davis on trombone, Ken Fouser on tenor saxophone, uh, Andre Renfro on guitar, um, Tabor Gable on piano, uh, Matt Dwansick on acoustic bass, And a wonderful drummer who's been playing with all the heavies in New York, Jason Tyman on drums. And um, we're going to hear two uh, Joshua Bruno compositions. The first one is called Fuller's Blues, Fuller's Blues, dedicated, I think, to Curtis Fuller. And the second tune is called The Owl Shop. Two tunes by Joshua Bruno, just to give you an idea of um, how wonderful... He sounds. So check him out. All right, that's an idea of what you'll get when you hear the Joshua Bruno Sextet at Pyatt Hall, of course, which is located at 843 Seymour Street downtown, right near the um, Orpheum Theater. It's the Seymour entrance. You can get in there via Seymour Street. They'll be playing there December 5th and 6th, 2014, with uh, Corey Weeds on uh, saxophones, uh, Tony Foster on piano and uh, Adam Thomas on bass and Julian McDonough on drums and Joshua Bruno on trumpet, who you just heard, and the great Steve Davis on trombone. So that's going to be one hell of a group. And uh, as I said, uh, tickets for that are only thirty dollars, and they're available at the Cellar Jazz Society. And um, you can all you have to do is get on your computer, CellarJazzSociety.com slash events and um that'll take you to a, a link you can buy tickets in advance and all that kind of stuff um it the shows start at seven thirty, and um or the doors open at seven thirty, and the shows start promptly at eight o'clock and that's a, a presentation of the seller jazz society the cjs which is an organization that was formed uh by cory wheats and um, involves various other people. So we heard uh, two tunes that you're likely to hear on that gig. Uh, the first one was uh, both compositions by uh, Joshua Bruno, Fuller's Blues and The Owl Shop. And uh, that featured Joshua on trumpet, Steve Davis on trombone, Ken Fouser on tenor saxophone, Andrew Renfro on guitar, Tabor Gable on piano, Matt Duanzik on acoustic bass, and Jessen Jason Timon on drums. And that was recorded at Smalls in New York City in March of 2014 from an album on the Cellar Live label called Bright Idea. Now we're going to play some Art Pepper for you. Art Pepper, recorded in November of 1956. A great album just called simply the Art Pepper Quartet, one of the great voices of the alto saxophone. Russ Freeman on piano, Ben Tucker on bass, Chuck Flores on drums. We're going to hear Arts Opus. (laughs)
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: We're doing a little uh, extended version of the jazz show, and I thought I'd play you some uh, prime early Art Pepper from an album uh, that came out on uh, an obscure uh, West Coast label, the Tampa Records, called the Art Pepper Quartet, and it featured um, art in magnificent form, all recorded in Los Angeles in November 1956, and art on alto saxophone, Russ Freeman on piano, Ben Tucker on bass, and Chuck Flores on drums, And we heard a bunch of tunes. Um, The first one was called Art's Opus, written by Art Pepper. And then um, a great uh, standard tune, which is not often played, but sure sounds good, I Surrender, Dear, written by Harry Barris. And then uh, um, a tune dedicated to Art's uh, wife of the time, Diane, called simply Diane. And then uh, another one by Art called Pepper Pot. And then, of course, a very familiar tune that everybody knows, Besame Mucho written by Consuelo Velasquez. And uh, then a blues um, called Blues at Twilight and then an up-tempo blues called Val's Pal, all by Art Pepper, an extended uh, um, set by the great Art Pepper. Uh, we're going to close the show with a couple of tunes by one of my favorite editions of Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers. And... Um, We're going to hear two tunes, and the people involved in this band, Jackie McLean on alto saxophone, Bill Hardman on trumpet, Sam Dockery on piano, Spanky DeBrest on brace, and the great Art Blakey on drums. This is recorded in New York in uh, early early 1957 in two tunes. The first one is called Little T, written by Donald Byrd, and the second one is called Exhibit A, and written by Gigi Grice. So here are two tunes by uh, this uh, rough and ready edition of Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers. To close our extended version of The Jazz Show tonight, incidentally, we won't be here next week. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks' time because next week is a very special broadcast, which is going to go on all night and all day, called um, um, Student Power. And uh, there's going to be all kinds of uh, wonderful and strange stuff uh, on that starting Sunday at midnight and going right through uh, till, I think, Tuesday morning, I believe. Anyway, that's what's going to happen. It's uh, 24 hours of student power right here on CITR. Okay, Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers to close this edition of The Jazz Show. Here we go. Well, that's it for the jazz show we hope that you uh, enjoyed an uh, extended version of the show this evening and uh, we just heard art blakey's jazz messengers the 1957 edition with jackie mclean on alto saxophone bill hardman on trumpet sam dockery at the piano spanky de brest on bass and art blakey on drums and two tunes uh, the first one was called Little T, and the second one was a G.G. G. Grice composition called Exhibit A. a little T was uh, uh, composed by Donald Burt. Two uh, great uh, tunes that were in the jazz messenger repertoire at that time. So we thank you very much for being out there this evening. We'll be back in two weeks' time. Um, because next week is 24 hours of student power, and there'll be some really, really interesting and far-out uh, kind of programming as well. Very adventurous radio, of of course, and uh, some great stuff. So um, stick with C-I-T-R. And uh, thank you very much for listening to The Jazz Show. On behalf of yours truly, Gavin Walker, We'll see you in two weeks' time, and don't forget you are listening to CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca, and we'll see you in two weeks. Take care. Bye-bye.